What is good, y'all? Welcome to the John Katz Show, episode number 50. 50, uh, landmark episode, whatever you call it. Benchmark, what do you call it? I don't know. Pat, I'm pat it's me patting myself on the back. 50, nobody else gonna pat you on the fucking back. As much as I like to have probably done more episodes or been more consistent with it, yada, yada, yada. If you would have told me 50 when I tried to do one, I would have said no way. And uh, in any case, with the new year, there, there's always a happy new year. I would say there's always higher levels to attain, but you got to be really proud and grateful for what you've already done. Something that I've, I've learned a lot of. And that's what I'm going to get into this show. A lot, of, a lot of lessons learned in honor of the new year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you all had a, uh, a wonderful holiday season. It's always a very nice, special feeling. I guess it's mixed for a lot of people. Stuff you hear about the holiday times. I, 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 maybe it accentuates whatever's kind of going on in your life. But uh, but I do wish all of you a happy and healthy new year and, and on to one more beautiful lap around the sun. Hopefully that uh, that goes really well. Definitely feels like I keep saying that there's some sort of shift happening. There's some sort of widespread awakening or leveling up of consciousness or something. I, I, I feel like sometimes I project it onto other people because I feel like I've been going through that. However... I do see it, and maybe that goes hand in hand, which is to say, when you're feeling something yourself and you're open to it, it it's much more easily recognizable in others, but something feels very transformative with humanity, and I think a lot of people have been taking it in a negative way the last few years, but I really don't think the outcome of it all is going to have any sort of negative connotation. I think we're going to see a lot of positive changes coming for humanity, society, and all that. But just the level to which people are kind of expanding their consciousness and their understanding, it's not completely evident yet, but I, I believe that will become more evident to more people very soon. And the the eternal optimist in me always expects to see that, so... But yeah, New New Year's resolutions are kind of like birthday wishes to me, where it's, if you're saying it out loud, it probably won't come true. It's something you kind of have to keep to yourself. Although, you know, unlike birthday wishes, which people do tend to want to keep secret, the uh, the resolutions, people seem all too willing to kind of proclaim those. It's almost like they want the credit just for saying, this is the thing I'm going to do. You know, with this show and this podcast, episode 50, the, the irony of it really is that I've always been and I am really such a private person. And and there have been very even few people in my life that I'm willing to even talk to for extended periods and use my time and energy to delve into things with. So in, in a lot of ways, it's been contrary to how I've kind of lived life, but my understanding of all the introvert extrovert stuff has expanded a bit as well. Shout out Kyle Maxwell, who was on this show a while back. Uh, we got into that a lot. You can be a bit of both, depending. And I think and to, to, for something to be meaningful, you know, I was watching uh, Anthony Kiedis being interviewed the other day. He was on Joe Rogan's show uh, a couple months back, but I recently watched the interview. Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer of the Chili Peppers, and he was talking about certain songs he's like you know some songs are fun some songs are you know um, happy or sad or high energy low he goes but there's some songs where when i was writing them 
it really came from such a deep feeling place and such deep experiences within him that it was just a much and we all know those you know those are the songs that people love to listen to the most but what made me think of that is if you think of most all meaningful music all the songs you love and yes some are just fun pop songs but for the most part the songs that really hit you it's because the song itself came from a place that was meaningful to the person that recorded it and wrote it and performed it so not that I'm comparing myself to Anthony Kiedis, but I would. What's funny, what actually made me laugh there, I didn't even realize. I, you can't see it on the screener, but I happen to, I talk about synchronicities all the time. I happen to literally look over to my right where I have a stack of some papers and a couple books. And it's the Anthony Kiedis autobiography from, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I just happened to read his name and I was like, why am I reading his name as I'm talking about him? That's funny. Maybe I read it before, which is what made me think of it. In any case, I've always been a very private person, and that would that would really defeat the purpose of why I am doing this show and why I like talking to you guys about so many different subjects, because it's meaningful. It's meaningful for me, and I think a lot of the topics that I like to delve into and discuss are integral to our personal growth, and I'm not trying to be one of these self-help guru, you know, life coach type guys. It's it's all feels cringe that aspect of it, but I do want to I do want to help people, I I guess, inspire, share. It just feels like that's the thing I'm supposed to be doing, therefore I'm doing it. And I really hope as as we hit number 50 here, I hope you guys are gotten something out of it and I hope you get more out of it in the future because it will be more directed and even more purposeful. And listen, I would love to talk about even more, talking about being private, there there are definitely more specific things in my personal life where really if it was up to me, I would just discuss it all, but uh, that wouldn't be fair to people. And you know, you gotta protect the innocent in a lot of these cases, but, but I do think it's important. You know, I always say, I, I, I'm secretive to a fault, so it's like there's been times in my life even where it it'll be um, it'll be viewed and interpreted as as like a form of dishonesty because I always just feel like let me keep keep this shit to myself like other people don't need to know like this is my burden I'll deal with it my own weird way I don't want anyone to know what I'm actually like I can handle it but I don't think other people can handle it which is not good and it's something I've been trying to correct but. I, I do think I'm pretty good at being open and when it when it counts or when it matters with people that it matters or situations that it matters. I do think I'm good at that. And so anyway, when it comes to this, while I may not be able to share certain details, I think I can be really open about the types of things we go through in life and how that impacts us and how we can process that information, learn from it, and then use it to be a positive influence in our lives. So I guess that would be, even though I just said don't talk about them, I guess that would be my resolution. It's the purposeful stuff. Intentionality. That's something I've been talking about. Intentions, intentionality. It's really, really fucking everything with everything. That and gratitude. I'm all over that. and Gratitude and intentionality. Like you name something positive about people name an attribute that we look at and admire and respect and stuff that we aspire to be all those people it all starts with gratitude and intentionality 
you don't get to any of those other great qualities without having that type stuff as the foundation. What are you doing something for? A, are you just grateful for everything? Because you have to be. Not only grateful for what you have, obviously, yes. Grateful for what you've done. Grateful for pain you've experienced, mistakes you've made. Grateful for all that plethora of information that came from that. And then what are your intentions? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do with the show? What are you trying to do with whatever presence you're, you know, you can feel that off people. You can feel that from whether it's a a politician or a public official or a social media personality. You can feel if somebody's fucking grifting you or if they're really coming from, and the latter is so much more rare, if they're really coming from a genuine and well-intentioned place where they're a grateful person who's at peace and really loves themselves and loves humanity. How rare is that? And then you meet these people and it's just evident right away. You're like, oh, this this person's really at peace. This person really has a good, like you can feel it. You can feel that peaceful energy. There's the type of people you want to be around. It's the type of people that you're comfortable around. There, there are a lot of people out there professing to want to help people, but it doesn't seem like it's for the right reasons necessarily. Where are their hearts at? And then what are they trying to accomplish? Is the goal to actually just selflessly help and inspire and uplift and be positive? Is that the goal? Are they trying to be divisive? Are they trying to be negative? Are they trying to bring people down? Are they trying to gain something from it that doesn't come from a genuine place, but rather just from a selfish need? And, and that doesn't mean people shouldn't want to be successful. And also, nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? So there are, there are well-intentioned people that then make mistakes here or whatever. But for the most part, and because we are exposed to so many, you know, if you look at, I don't know that the percentages have, have necessarily changed, but the quantity is so great because the ratio was already, what I mean by that is, you know, in life, let's say it was an 80-20 split of people who were really pure, peaceful, well-intentioned folks versus the 80 who aren't, as we're able to now be exposed to so much more through internet technology, every platform, what have you, you're going to be hit with an onslaught of that. And I think a lot of the engagement and interaction that takes places from audiences feeds off of that negative stuff. So it gets amplified even more. But you know, I I ran about this a lot and I I talked because those are conscious decisions, people are making. I don't think, when I say 80%, I don't think, I'm not saying 80% of people are bad people. There are some bad people, I think. Uh, For sure there are. But that is the minority, right? Of that 80% who are acting like divisive assholes, the vast majority of them don't have to be that way. And that's why I bother talking about it. And that's why it frustrates me. That's why I rant about it all the time. Because I look at humanity. I said recently how I get along with people who love humanity, but also kind of hate people. And I'm not saying I hate people. I say that in a joking way, but I get why. It's like, you don't hate the people. You just kind of hate the form that they're in and the energy that they're giving you. People people really need to understand themselves and love themselves and be compassionate to themselves before you're going to get any type of authentic and positive and beneficial energy from that person. But people can do that. So to be honest, if anything I share helps people to do that, that would be my favorite thing ever. To be like, uh, 
happier, healthier, more contented, genuine, authentic versions of themselves, that would be fucking amazing. If even one person was helped to be that way by anything I said, that would be beyond amazing. You know, and all that really does start with our ability. When I talk about intentionality, gratitude, etc., all that comes from our ability to understand ourselves, right? We have to look, I was just saying, we got to look inside of ourselves more than outward. All the answers are in there. So, you know, we got to remove a lot of stuff sometimes to get to the part where we can release all of that bad shit that's weighing it down. So yeah, being that it's the new year, I wanted to talk about, I already got into a lot of, but I wanted to talk about like lessons learned and not even just this past year, a lot of stuff the last several years. Like I said, for me personally, I've gone through a very transformative period. And so I've got the most information I feel like coming in more recently with a lot of things and being the type of person that I am, I really dig into it. And the more I learn to appreciate the information and the lessons, the more I want to dig into it, the more productive it is. Because everything really is lessons. I I read a book pretty recently, you know, talking about time itself, you know, and I don't even mean this in a theoretical, but in a, in a literal way, I hate when people say literally, but the time itself is actually measured in the lessons that we learn. That sounds poetic. I mean it scientifically. Because we don't know what happens beyond this life. We don't know where we go when we die. The time that we use with revolutions around the sun, where we're on this ball that circles this other ball of fire, and we measure this thing we named time based on how many times this ball goes around that ball, without ever factoring in our consciousness and the evolution of our consciousness and where our consciousness came from and goes and what else it's experienced and what else it will experience. We don't actually understand time, but what we do know is that we receive information all day long and that everything we do and have done is an experience for us, for our soul, for our consciousness, the things that we remember in this lifetime. And then we gather all that information and it becomes our thoughts and our actions and our feelings and everything that we do. It becomes what we call life. And if we do carry that then forward, into the next and the next, then you could see where the construct of time actually coincides with that so much more than what we think of traditionally as time. You know, when it comes to a lot of this kind of talk, I understand, uh, listen, from what I've seen and experienced in life and people that I interact with, all this type of stuff is not necessarily well received. People are very resistant to that. Uh, People are very protective and I don't mean that in a good way. They are, there is a good type of protection and there is a bad type of protection and people are very protective of these constructs they've built and thinking that they just believe me. I know that I know and understand everything and also that I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to grit and bear it and be stoic and do my duties within the construct and society that we've created and I'll call that a good life, and that's enough. But but here's the deal. I, I know that most people get it deep down. They understand. When I say they get it, meaning they understand themselves deep down. If you really went around to people, so what's, what's the main impediment? or op- Because these impediments and obstacles, 
that are preventing people from being their least conflicted, most peaceful, productive, happy, content selves. These obstacles that are preventing that, they, they 99% of them only exist within you. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. But I think most people know what it is. Again, they just don't want to go there. So hopefully, listen, when people, I always say, when you're alone, if, I'm, if, I, if I hit you on this pod and, you know, those quiet, alone moments, uh, what are you afraid of then? What are you protecting yourself then from emotions? It's funny because people, what people don't realize is, you know, when you see someone who's sad or depressed or going through something emotionally difficult, they're rarely ever actually feeling and understanding and processing their emotions. And you think, well, that's an emotional person. The reason that they're in such an uncomfortable state is because they're actually denying their emotions harder than anybody. When I say denying, they're, they're not willing to even scratch slightly below the surface of that sadness, that thing that's keeping them upset throughout the day or depressed or anxious throughout the day. They're not, they're, they keep tickling at the surface over and over and over, like these quick short bursts of thinking that they're, that they're feeling, 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 and they're never actually digging below it, feeling maybe more intense for a minute, but then gathering all that juicy information from it, understanding it, and then, you know, releasing what you should release moving forward appropriately becoming more enlightened, becoming more aware, actually healing from stuff. Yeah, I mean, so so that's the first real lesson I've learned above all else, especially when it comes to myself. And like I said, I've prided myself, and I still do, I still do, on understanding human behavior, you know, not from necessarily like a traditional textbook scientific, but what is that? I trust my brain more than anyone's, I always have, but like I always say too, when it comes to your own emotions, your own, it's easy to look at something that you're not directly involved in and attached to. When you actually feel something real based around the situation, you're never going to be purely objective about that situation. But when you can, when you can achieve that mode and the closer you push toward that true objectivity and appreciation and let me gather all this information when you are completely open to it, open, 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 not closed and protected. That's the most transformative shit in the world. And it doesn't make somebody weak. It's very difficult and makes you very strong to be able to actually do that in the constructive way that I'm talking about. And most people are too afraid to do it. And then you think you're being tough. You think you're being tough by just carrying on and ignoring it and going, oh, people are, you know, people have it way worse than us and this and that. You know what? I, I, I've always said a lot of that type of stuff too, but it, and it, it's true. People all around the world have and do have it worse. But that's no reason for you to just numb yourself out and go through the motions. You're, you're fucking being disrespectful to them by being that way. Humanity is humanity. Give those people something to aspire to and uplift them. They don't want to aspire to be a numbed out cog in a wheel, I promise you. If you have the ability to explore your human spirit beyond what other people have had, then that's even more reason you're blessed. And from a karmatic standpoint and an appreciation standpoint, you should be exploring every little bit of that in every way you can. 
And and credit uh, Dr. Margaret Paul, who I had on the show, who wrote the book Inner Bonding and then a bunch of other books. Credit her with a lot of this stuff. Go read Inner Bonding and read some of that. Yes, I know it sounds cheesy as fuck. Let me just break down because I never really, if you didn't see the episode and maybe it wasn't as succinct, let me just break down what the inner bonding really the thing is. And I'm telling you, you know, if I looked at most of the people in my life uh, and there's a handful even I've suggested this stuff to, they're too closed off to even attempt it. I'm telling you, people don't want to, it feels too cringeworthy to them. But the truth is that's all even just a cop out to. People are scared to death to get into that shit. It's much easier to just ignore it. Act like, hey, I'm I'm fine. I go through, I, I enjoy life. I go through my day. I do good stuff. So yeah, quick synopsis is this. Look, any anything you feel, all your emotions, any any negative thing that you're feeling, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, from just a mild malaise, sadness to a, a mostly a deep depression. I'm not talking about people with severe chemical imbalances and stuff. I'm not discounting mental illness. There's real mental illness. But this, you know what? A lot of this applies to that too. Not a doctor. I've, I've, I've dealt with my own stuff. I could tell you a lot of what would be textbook clinically diagnosed as certain mental issue, illness, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It applies to that too. And I only say that from my own firsthand experiences as well. So which is this? Because again, most of what you feel when you're conflicted in all these different type of negative ways, it's just coming from inside of you. Yes, there are acute external events that come on and they happen and you're supposed to feel all types of different upset over those events. Yes. But this even actually applies to that too and how you process those events and then come out the other side and use that in the future, et cetera, et cetera. But just generally speaking, everything you feel, every emotion comes from a construct that you created when you were a kid, right? And, and whatever type of emotional and headspace and actual environment that you were operating in when you were a very young child, before you could understand or process anything objectively or intellectually, you know, raw emotion without logic or explanation so it's all based on that and then all because of that based on all these underlying false beliefs people have about themselves that they really don't stop to ever think about or understand but as an adult you don't have to feel those things in the same way we kind of we knee jerk feel them because that's how we've been conditioned to feel them since we were tiny and we never stopped to say wait a minute this shouldn't in reality feel this way. I'm an, I'm a capable adult that can take these specific actions so that I don't have to feel this way. And that's just a very broad simplification. You know, here, here's a good simple type analogy uh, from, from the inner bonding. And again, credit Dr. Margaret Paul with a lot of this. If, if you were walking and you saw a small child on the road, right? Let's say you saw a five-year-old standing alone on the side of the road crying. You would immediately, any good person would go up to that child and say, are you okay? What's wrong? Some sort of inquiry. Now, the child will then tell you something that they lost their parent or they don't, you know, I don't know where my mom is or I'm hungry or I hurt myself or whatever. And then you as the adult would take a very specific action to remedy that situation. You would try to call their parents. You would take them to a hospital or you would find a police officer whatever. Again, that's a very basic, simplistic version. But you have to look at yourself 
is your inner child as that child, right? And you can actually, again, I know how cheesy it sounds when I say this stuff. It's why I giggle a little and there's people watching going, oh, fuck this. Listen, again, this is as as anti-Andrew Tate a message as you're probably going to get. But you can have a conversation with yourself as that child and go, what do you need? What is it you want? Why are you feeling that way? Why are you feeling that way? What do you need? And listen, read the book. It gives you very specific logistical ways to do what I'm talking about here. And again, this is just a very simple, simple broad stroke. But you you will get answers from yourself. You will uncover certain false beliefs. But you will get information that you can then go, okay, I can actually, A, I can now release this weird thing that I didn't understand completely why I felt that way. And then B, now I can actually take a real action as an adult in real life and do stuff that's going to remedy the situation to make me feel differently. It's really like a meditation type. I've been I've been wanting to and trying a little to get into the meditation game, but this is actually a form of meditation. If you're really sitting there and doing it correctly, it actually is and can be. You know, it's a, it's an it's an intense intensive form of meditation, in my opinion. And like I said before, a lot of that is probably shit you kind of knew already. You just never really wanted to dig in and go there. Because when you uncover some of that, you're going to go, oh, that, that makes perfect sense. You're going to go, that actually just going to kind of hit you and go, duh, I knew that. But you didn't really, you never really thought about it. never really felt it. I'm just telling, as, as, a, as a man, trying to be numb and stoic all the time, it ain't good. You should want to experience joy in your life, and you should want to live a long time. You really do have to understand all emotions come from the same place. So it's not anti-masculine or manly to do the kind of shit I'm talking about. Also, it's like the most masculine urges you feel come from the exact same place of wanting to be sentimental and kind and understanding. All emotions come from that same place. We don't get to pick and choose. Nobody seems to understand that correctly. So that, that I would say, main lesson of the year, the inner bonding stuff, just really digging into a lot of the... Un- I, I recommend to everybody, get to know yourself. About, stop, stop worrying about what other people are doing. In fact, that's gonna, nothing will prevent you more from all that amazing self-discovery stuff than being consumed with what other people are thinking and doing and saying. Nothing. Uh, more more huge lessons. I'll move it along here. It kind of goes along with, with what I was saying. Regrets, right? Stop regretting shit. Stop living in the past. Don't live, I've talked about this a lot. Don't live in the future and don't, don't live in the past. Recognize your mistakes, yes. And then be grateful for the lessons. Gratitude. I keep talking. Gratitude with all of this stuff. Be, be literally, think about this. Think about the worst thing that's happened to you or the worst thing you've done or whatever caused you the most heartache and pain. You have to actually be thankful for the pain, right? Really think about that and really do that. Be grateful. Holy shit. You know how much I was able to learn from that? about myself and about life that I never would have because that's really a unique gift I'm not saying the thing that happened is good but you'll never go back and change it and then look at the wealth of information you got from it and then what else I've talked about that one a lot I won't keep harping on that uh here's a big one 
and again, most of the stuff I talk, I've got, I got a lot of commentary on life and society. A lot of things that I think other people are guilty of that I'm not, but that's a bad way to say it. A, a lot of this stuff I talk about is because, again, with me going through my own personal shit, these are really the lessons that stuck with me most and helped me most. Uh, okay, so negative self-talk. That's a big one. And I'm even, I, I've talked about it, I think, in the last episode. I joke around in a self-deprecating way a lot. Or I just will say something negative about myself. And there is a huge distinction between between recognizing that past behaviors weren't necessarily the most productive and what have you, the most positive Versus actually being critical of yourself and putting yourself down. You really got to have so much self-love and compassion and care for yourself. And that goes along with it in such a direct and succinct way. Because our our words really are powerful. And our words are really speaking power into existence. It's speaking our truth. I sound like uh, Maya Angelou or something. But we, we really do manifest what we think and then especially say out loud. And, and and then to go along with that, don't be afraid of gifts you have. Don't, you know, own the stuff you think you're special at. Don't have any sort of what they call imposter syndrome where you go around thinking other people have some special thing that you don't. They don't. And if they're specially talented in one area, you're, you're, you're probably equally just as talented and special in another don't be ashamed of really own it. You, you know, you don't have to be a cock yet. You're not trying to rub, but own it. Own what you're good at. Own what you like to do and, and be proud of it. And in the same way you wouldn't put yourself down, compliment yourself. Not in a conceited, arrogant way, but in a way that, hey, I'm really good at this thing and I enjoy it and it feels meaningful to me and I'm going to do it and I won't feel ashamed of that for a second. What else? Keeping it moving. Healthy boundaries with things and people and all that. That's huge. You know, any energies that are impeding your shit, impeding your progress, you know, be loving, be well-intentioned, but but you really got to accept and then continue on the path that you know is right for you. Don't let people and other external things impede that ever. Follow your heart. Those journeys are their journeys to figure out. If it coincides, great. If it's a positive experience and you're feeding off each other and it feels inspirational, great. That's where the real magic happens. But if it's not that, let it go. And that applies to a lot of things. And then, and then ultimately, one of the biggest lessons that's been driven home, you know, a lot, a lot of these have been kind of themed throughout very long periods of time, if not my whole life, but Again, with where I've been the last couple of years, I've really dissected so many things in new ways. And whether it's by having certain discussions, reading certain things, or just honestly sitting alone with my thoughts and coming at it from a different angle with different intentionality than I've had before, that's made all the difference in the world. It's just like when you do like a, a psychedelic trip with your friend. If you think about like, you know, when you're in high school, you know, uh, doing, doing some Molly or ecstasy as we called it, or acid or any of those shrooms or whatever, you know, you were trying to trip your face off. You were trying to get fucked up. You were trying to laugh your ass off with your friends and just be as tripped out as possible. You know, you compare that to, let's say you're an adult and you do it with, uh, you know, I'm using this as an analogy and you do that with intent. 
you say, I'm going to go, you know, and they, they're doing it, by the way. They're doing MDMA therapy with extremely high success rates with soldiers. Tons of people are benefiting from psilocybin, ayahuasca, all these kinds of things. And they're doing it with intention. They're going in saying, hey, there's a specific thing I want to fix about myself and delve into. And they're using that substance and, they're, and it's extremely successful. I, and that's always a good analogy because you don't have to drop acid to kind of have that intentionality of thought. Not even forget meditating even. If there's a specific thing that bothers you and you find yourself thinking about it all the time, think to yourself, how am I approaching my line of thought? Am, am, am I just ruminating and replaying the same scenario over and over and over and over? And then change your intention for when you're thinking about it. Just like you would go in and sit quietly, deep in thought about a specific thing with the intention of, I want to actually solve this and figure this out in a positive and beneficial way. Because I I think we don't do that often enough when we sit deeply thinking about things that are on our mind. The intent is, is often missing. And yeah, you, you really have to look at life like our souls are eternal. Nobody knows exactly what's going on here, but let's just bank on that because that's really the only thing that makes sense, right? Like otherwise, really, what the fuck are we even doing here? My, my ability to ponder that and then communicate it to you, to me, in such a simple abstract way, simple and abstract, it is. That alone is proof enough of, of exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's a simple statement, but it really says so much. And really, if you're open to these ideas, that that's when the info and the lessons come exactly as they're meant to. I really believe that. And, and people, uh, people will come as they're meant to. It's all the same. And, and you will experience life and the lessons in the order that you were meant to. And you will be the person that you are meant to be. Your consciousness will grow and evolve the way it's intended to. I would also recommend a book uh, that I read. I say read a lot. Usually I just listen on Audible. It is recommended to me also. Uh, many Lives, Many Masters. Dr. Brian Weiss, I believe, is the name of the author. And he's also written a ton of books. I think that was the first, so I would start there. And again... A lot of this stuff, you gotta, you gotta be a little cheesy. You gotta be a little cheesy with yourself. You gotta, you gotta open up a little bit. I would, I would listen to these. This book, I'd actually listen to because it's narrated in a man and a woman's voice. It's only like an hour and a half, by the way. Just kind of allow yourself to go there, and I think it could be hugely beneficial. Many lives, many masters. We really do have to look inward the most. And karma, karma, karma. Karma chameleon. I wasn't even trying to sing that song. I used to love that song when I was a little kid. I would make my dad play that uh, all the time. Come and go. Come and go. I'm going to edit that out. But one of the other main takeaways I took from the book, speaking of dad, is, uh, you know, the, the way... And I read actually a subsequent books of his. Uh, and this was hammered home even more. The way that we mourn loss and mourn things that we feel are no longer here. My perception on that's really changed a lot, evolved a lot, just from 
the the stuff Brian was able to articulate because it's stuff I already felt and believed, but it really drove it home. And I realized I'd still actually been stuck in a lot of ways as it related to certain losses and the loss of my dad and stuff like that. We don't we don't actually lose things the way we think. The the energy is transferred. But time really is an illusion. You know what I mean? And so if you've experienced something that's real, it's no less real now than it was when you experienced it. That's a permanent thing that's happened to your soul and your consciousness. That makes sense. All right, something else I wanted to do because it's episode 50 and I haven't done this in a long time. I wanted to do, I posted for some listener topics. So I I reached out on social. I got some pretty good replies. So I want to read some of the stuff people asked and, uh, and get into those. All right. So the first listener topic comes from Tammy on Twitter and, uh, and she asked how and why does society conform to false ideologies so easily without hesitation instead of questioning them first? Uh, uh, this, this is something I've actually thought about a lot. I think I've talked about this a little bit too, but is a good good topic to get into when it comes to human behavior and even touches on a lot of the stuff I've, I've talked about this show. Because, you know, partly, how many people do you know who were truly confident and comfortable with themselves, like really self-aware and at peace with who they are? Because I, I think, A, you know, you're, you're pulling from a group of people who, because they're already in such a conflicted state, they're just, they're looking for the wrong things to latch onto, and they're not comfortable and confident enough in their own selves and their own beliefs to not even be susceptible to so much of this stuff. Then also, you know, just from like a human nature standpoint, the majority of people are are not evolved enough to be that discerning. They're not operating at at a high enough vibration to be that objective and pragmatic and discerning. They're just not but where that's really come into play lately is the access that people do have to our to our brains. And you talk about tech specifically and the ability that that gives people to hit us all day with information and stimulus and, and, and narratives and whatever motives and objectives they have in doing so. You know, it used to kind of just be advertisements that would be in the paper or on a commercial when we finally got televisions and so forth. But I I say this all the time, people's brains, if you didn't grow up with it in your hand, and I'll get to that in a minute because I think it is going to be different going forward for the youngest generations, and and this is different than stuff that came, but I'm not being phobic of of younger generations and this TV will rot your brain guy or any of that, I'm not, but it is different. The access is different than it's ever been, and it's only being amplified more quickly and so the the reason I bring that up is when you process something, right, when you have a stimulus come into you uh, for hundreds of thousands of years, when you experience an emotion or a, a conversation or a message, it's, t- it's taking place in real life, okay? You weren't a cyborg that had an all-powerful computer in the palm of your hand 24 hours a day. And so... Now that people do, but we're still operating with the same brains. And and you're now taking in all of this information and stimulus nonstop all day long. So it would be equivalent to if hundreds of years ago, 
somebody was at this person's house just yelling a message at them over and over and over, yelling a narrative at them over and over and over. They would be tangibly affected by that. And so a lot of people don't seem to have the ability to discern and separate out and be objective and say, this is reality and this isn't. So, so when Tammy says conform to these, these false ideologies without questioning, and I think she's referring to specific things I don't even need to get into to make the exact point, but most people will conform because of what the natural human nature is and because they're feeling that as though it's real. And because the people that are sending those messages, when you talk about government or whoever and talk about intent, what's their intent? Why are they doing that? Why are they beating you over the head all day with a certain narrative? Is it to uplift and inspire you and improve your life? Or is it specifically to get you riled up about a specific thing for their own gain? And there have always been people with that type of malintent, but they never really had the tools or vehicle to do it the way that they're bombarding everybody now. And, and for a long time, people felt like, hey, we can trust the expert. We could trust the authority on this. But you really can't in most cases. And almost everyone's got some sort of agenda. But, you know, silver lining, optimist I am, I don't think that continues on. I think, A, you already have so much backlash going on, right? Tammy's and everyone else are already going, hey, wait a minute. What the fuck? Let's all take a step back. You know, uh, mainstream media isn't even going to be a term in a a decade from now. Things are definitely becoming more decentralized and people are waking up to it. But then even more importantly, the, the youngest generation, is it even gen, is the youngest generation Gen Z is like, if you're a kid born today, are you still Gen Z? Is that still going on? The youngest of the youngsters, the, the younger children who are like elementary and even maybe middle school. Now they grew up with this stuff. Their brains are a bit different. And I hear this time and time again from people with children, and I see it, which is they are actually more discerning of that stuff in so many ways. And they may not have the same specific type of intelligence that we feel we had, but they're way savvier in many ways, and they can actually make distinctions, and they're much more cynical of bullshit as well. And there's always cyclical backlash like that to almost everything. So while it feels like, wow, they've really gotten away with this in the last decade, it's all such new technology and new means of communication that have come along. So it always takes a while for the general public to kind of feel it, move back a little, and then understand it, react to it, move forward. And then especially with the young kids who've grown up with it, I, I, I do believe we will be able to decipher that much better in the future. And here's the other big silver lining, in my opinion. Oh, and I don't know that Tammy's specifically talking about government, but when you're talking about conforming, when it comes to that, it really just does require a shift in consciousness. You know, nothing's really been passed or changed at the federal level. Our, our Constitution still holds strong. A lot of the stuff we're seeing is more temperamental and uh and temporary and and in my opinion it can be undone as quickly as as it was done and if we're talking about conforming to false stuff with society yeah there's been a lot of backlash to that too lately which is 
for a while there, I feel like everybody, and there's still a lot of people doing it. It's like we're so worried about upsetting someone or offending somebody. And everyone just wants to seem so woke and accepting and so forth. No, nobody wants to, to seem like an asshole. And then, and they've also they created this victim status where it's like it's made it enticing to people who are kind of lost and disillusioned and they want to be able to identify in, in a victimhood sort of way. But more than that, it's mostly people pretending to be offended on other people's behalves who aren't even offended themselves. And I don't think most of them believe that shit deep down. I think most of them are tired of putting on that act. So yeah, I, 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 I'm very optimistic when it comes to a lot of this stuff. We do have a very cyclical nature as society. And, and a lot of trends like that, while they may have been different, they do tend to self-correct. People tend to self-correct from one generation to the next and so on. And uh, so I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Tammy. I really appreciate that. Uh, I could talk about that topic a lot longer, get into that more in the future for sure. All right. The the next question uh, from Twitter comes from uh, Madre da Quattro. Madre da Quattro. She says, what makes a husband feel like a hero? Not a superhero, but a hero in a man's world. Uh, I guess this is a topic I know I know something about. Um I'm I'm gonna and she said man to I'm gonna expand it beyond husband to just man, you know. Cause because I think the answers to this are just kind of very primal as as men go and what makes us feel I like to choose the word hero. Cause cause that in and of itself kind of drives at how we want to be perceived. You know, we we really are much simpler creatures than 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 uh, some of y'all women folk. Uh, I was just talking to somebody about this. Like men really do have, I get in trouble. A, a simpler, more consistent set of needs. Uh, the 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 women stuff's a little more complex. So I'm not going there this up or ever. And and not only is it more complex, but it kind of changes and shifts. A, a little bit so you gotta you gotta ride those waves a little more but yeah she really hit the nail on the head with the hero part we we want to always be appreciated for like the qualities that we offer we 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 want to feel that our mere presence is appreciated like you're heroic just for being here in this room you know and, and along those lines we want to feel useful like the shit we do is just so amazingly useful and essential to your your life and your well-being. You know, and it's something as simple as uh being told what a great job we did with stuff. Uh, that we're that we're talented, that we're smart, that we're funny. We want to feel desired. We do. We want to feel like men. Like like our like our decision making can be trusted, you know, that we can lead and be trusted with our decision making and our thought process, not not question, not second guessed. And then and then something else we really need, you know, that that we can truly be our unfiltered and and unguarded selves with you guys, with women. Again, all energy comes from the sex, so that goes that goes for masculine energy. That goes for sensitive, intimate type energy. Just just to fully let our guards down. And I think that's so important because as men, we do have this kind of always have our guard up, protective type mentality with the world. We don't want to ever really show the world certain vulnerability 
And so it's like, it's almost like extra important that with that, because that's supposed to be the one person you can really be like that with and without any judgment and definitely not having to walk on eggshells or anything like that. Yeah. So, so that's really the main thing. I think, I think that and the appreciation and the usefulness and, and the, uh, feeling desired and all, I think, you know, look, there's probably, there is, I'm sure a lot of crossover with what, uh, women need as well, but there's a lot of non crossover too, I think. So thank you, uh, Madre for that question. Uh, it's nice to know that women are out there thinking about how can I make my man feel like a hero? I think anybody that's asking themselves that question internally is automatically going to do a pretty good job at it. You know what I mean? And so thank you. That was a good one. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, the next question comes from a man, Ordy, Ordy Packard, who, uh, who I actually did a show with not long ago. Uh, he simply said, talk about the Mandela effect. I've talked about this a bit before. For those not familiar, they call it the Mandela effect because Nelson Mandela, South African uh, leader, a lot of people remembered, he was arrested, he went to prison in the 80s, and a lot of people had a memory of him dying in prison in the 80s, uh, when in fact he didn't. He lived until 2013. That tripped a lot of people out because apparently there are a lot of people that have that memory, and it starts to get into this whole, you know, listen, again, I've brought up before, if you talk to or listen to scientists, physicists, theoretical physicists, Real experts in the scientific community support uh, multiverse theory or the possibility that we are in a multiverse. Some believe it's infinite, so that we're stacked up against infinite universes that are either slightly or vastly different from our, but there will be some that there's almost identical, other than very minor little things like that. So it, it does feel like a lot of the multiverse stuff bleeding over when there's a slightly different memory of something that so many people have collectively. The only other real explanation for a lot of this stuff is just we do kind of bastardize, if that's the right word, certain things. So we'll take a word and we all kind of say it incorrectly enough times that the incorrect way becomes the common way. And then when you hear the actual correct way, you're like, that's not right. I always said it this way. So there's for sure a lot of that going on. I'll give you some examples. The main example I always talk about, and I don't know what's going on with this, is Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. Now, I don't know if because the word Stouffer's just made people kind of start associating it with stuffing, but if people remember Stouffer's stuffing, there is no such thing and never has been. Stouffer's never made stuffing, and you could look that up. Never been a Stouffer stuffing, so if you remember having... But people, I think, would just say, like, make some Stouffer's, and they meant, like, stovetop stuffing. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of them are just, like, spelling things. Um, the the Looney Tunes, the way that's spelled, you can you can Google all these. I'm not going to get into crazy detail about it. The Berenstein, Berenstein Bears, the way that's spelled. Febreze, Oscar Mayer, Skechers. The Flintstones, it's the Flint stones not the flintstones but again is that just because we say flintstones and the t just kind of became silent so people stopped reading it as flintstones here's a couple that are weird for me 
the Monopoly man never had a monocle. Some of these are like word thing, right? Monopoly, monocle. I don't know. But the Monopoly man, the character on the box, never had an eyepiece. People remember him with an eyepiece. There's one I read recently that rung true for me. Britney Spears in that video where she had on the red latex suit. Oops, I did it again, I think is the video. I remember, as do a ton of people apparently, her having a headset on in that video, like a black microphone, earpiece. But she never did. She never wore an earpiece in that video. Uh, The Fruit of the Loom logo is a weird one. It had this cornucopia thing behind the fruit, which I remember never existed. And then there's other ones. Again, it's like there was never a line in Star Wars, Luke, I am your father. He just said, like, I am your father or what have you. He didn't say, Luke, I am your father. But I think maybe just people always repeat it that way. So then they forget what was in the actual movie. I think it's a blend of different things going on. Some of them are very weird. Look these up. What's going on here? Y'all tell me. Anyone listening to this, look up examples of the Mandela effect. You guys can always hit me up on Twitter, JohnCats79. I have fun talking about these. So so holler at me with your your favorite Mandela effect examples. And when I do another show with uh, Mickey and Ordy, because uh, we're planning on doing some more of those, and Ordy's who said to discuss this, maybe I will. Maybe we'll get into that a bit more as well on there. Uh, I got one more I wanted to get into. This this one came from, I, I'm not going to say the name. It was a, a DM privately to remain anonymous. I don't want to get anybody in trouble for anything. It was, and I don't even want to go, you know, I can answer this without even specifically and this is a topic that's been poured over and poured over. It's something that's being discussed nonstop the last couple of years. But uh, this gentleman had sent me some video footage of federal agents participating in certain events that took place going on just exactly two years ago now uh, from January of 2021. Sure, you all know what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you what's weird. Here's what's weird. If you have an event like that that took place at the Capitol and the federal government did have undercover agents and informants that had infiltrated the groups of people that are being prosecuted, why wouldn't that be relevant and pertinent to the case? What's the point of having federal agents embedded if you're not going to then use that information as part of your ongoing investigations and and prosecutions and so forth. It's what makes people question the nefariousness of it. It's one thing to say, hey, we're going to put these agents in there to gather intel, and then we're going to actually use that. No one wants to talk about the intel. No one wants to even admit that it's something that took place. I, I would just say in general, lately, from what I've seen, whether it's social media, federal the federal government is everywhere. It's everywhere. Federal agents are everywhere. Don't ever assume privacy from the government. We saw what came out years ago with Snowden and all that, but that's not even factoring in private companies and the information that they're all gathering. And then because of that, you go, well, that's a private company. Yeah, but the feds are tied into that too, just as we saw with Twitter. So if you tell me, Facebook's gathering all this information from you. 
but that our federal government is not embedded in Facebook and doesn't have access to that, I don't buy it. There's no way they don't. But then we should all just kind of act accordingly. But you know me. Listen, I'm Mr. Small Government. Get them the hell out of everything. Forgetting the secret stuff they do. Forgetting even that. That's just like a no-brainer. 90% of the stuff the federal government is doing in the open, get them out. It shouldn't be doing it. it it's really an infringement on all of it. it. It would be defined by our founding fathers as tyrannical. I'm not saying that from some sort of radical kind of way. I'm very libertarian-minded, which is kind of the point. In the real world, if you had all these departments and programs that didn't work, and and not only were just losing money and over every day just bleeding money, which is bad enough, but they're just ineffective and over... You would never have that in the real world, and you would never just allow more money and people and resources and energy to keep getting thrown at the problem, they would they would take a hatchet to it immediately. They'd say, this isn't working. Let's remove it. We never do that. We only add departments and programs and agencies. When do we ever get rid of any? We know most of them aren't doing what they're supposed to. Why aren't we ever allowed to go, hey, you know what? This shit didn't really work. It's because people are just so invested in the idea. And again, everyone's got these ulterior motives. So the federal government just keeps expanding and expanding and growing and growing and growing. We'll never get out of debt. We'll never shrink debt and deficit. Right? We, you got to shrink the government down. It should be one-tenth. The federal government should be one-tenth the size that it is. And it should have like five responsibilities. They don't need the Department of Education and the, uh, the Environmental Agency and the Department of Energy and all these things. And if you do, it's like they should be five employees each. It's not the design of this country to have a centralized big daddy government just running and regulating everything. It's the antithesis of what we were designed to be. And I know that gets a way off track from that question. But listen, a lot of people talking about that event. I let them handle the specifics and logistics of exactly what's going on at that event. But I, I would say that it is in, indicative of a much larger problem we're seeing all over the place when it comes to federal government involvement and the entitlement that they feel to even do that type of stuff because of, I think, what we've kind of allowed to happen for so long. Again, talk about intention. Why are they doing certain stuff? You know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, this department doesn't work or this agency doesn't work, but it's it was well-intentioned, right? It, wa- they, it wanted to accomplish something good. It wanted to help. It's just not working the way it was supposed to. People aren't being helped the way that we thought they would, and it's just losing a ton of money, whereas it was supposed to be a prosperous venture, whatever. But their hearts were in the right place. Versus a lot of this interference, what's, what's the What's the purpose? Are they trying to be agitators? Are they trying to be shit disturbers? Are they trying to gain votes in certain directions? Because, yeah, it's one thing to be over bloated and inefficient with good intentions. But it, it's way worse if you're if you're causing division on purpose or for personal gain. So, yeah, um, thank you, Anonymous, for that question. I, I think everyone should always... Look at look at most everything with kind of a discerning eye. Not not cynical or skeptical, but I like the word discerning. 
Everyone should aim to be a pragmatist above all else. And everyone, I don't care what side you're... Nobody should be wanting more federal government intrusion in our lives. How does that make sense to anybody? I don't care what side you're on. Everyone's always says they're worried about totalitarianism from the other side anyway, whether in the form of left, right, or whatever. Well, whatever form that's going to come in is going to be more centralized government. So let's all agree to have less of that. Nobody, nobody wants to. Listen, you want to, I'll say again, all the time, you want to, not to get political at the end of the show here, you want to fix the government, here's what you do. Remove money and lobbyists, all the corporate donations, all that bullshit, get it out of there. Term limits, term limits, term limits, institute term limits. Why do we have career politicians? Makes no sense. People let them come in, do the best job they can, knowing they're about to get the hell out. They're not worried about campaigning. They're not worried about running again, any of that stuff. So they're not distracted. They're going to have a quick short window to leave the, the best legacy. There's no downside to the term limit thing. That's why it's so silly. The only downside to it is the career politicians don't want to do it because they want to stay career politicians. It's not what it was intended for. It should be Joe Schmo, business owner, coming in for four years or whatever, doing his thing and then getting the hell out. Move away from Republicans and Democrats. There's no reason to have a two-party construct. It goes along with the money and everything else coming in. Everybody's beholden to their party, not their constituents. No one's able to have a free thought. You shouldn't have these unanimous votes happening on on certain sides of the aisle with one or two detractors in Congress. It's ridiculous. People should be no party affiliated. There should be 30 parties in there, and, and everybody should just be beholden to the people that voted them in back home. Simplify our taxes, whether it's a flat tax, whatever. Make it simple. Everyone pays the same, no matter what. Get rid of the loopholes. Make it easy to understand. Let people see where their money is going. Put it, like they have said, put it on one piece of paper, fit it on an index card. And then these bills, simplify the bills down. Put one or two things on there. We shouldn't have 4,000 page bills that nobody's reading, nobody can understand. Trillions of dollars being allocated. Trillions. People don't understand how much a trillion is. The last omnibus bill alone, the 4,000 page bill, is 10 Elon Musks. That's one bill. People always say, oh, we should tax the rich more. Elon Musk, the richest dude in the world. You could liquidate every penny he's worth, and you'd still need 10 of him to cover one bill. Just to put that in perspective a little bit. Vote for one or two things at a time. They're there to work. Vote on shit every day. Don't package it all together like that. Like, how, how are we being represented in the original design, in, in the spirit of the original design when that type of stuff's going on? All right, so I'll I'll wrap up. I'll end it by saying this, tie it all together from the beginning of the show to the end, which is we are on this earth to uplift and inspire each other. We're we're here to be the, the absolute best versions of ourselves through the learning and the choices we make and the intentions that we have. And then we use that as as examples for others, right? And to share our love and appreciation as best we can with each other. Because otherwise, what is the point? And that's it. That's all we got. And and I hope by me even saying this type of stuff, it helps contribute a little bit. Just by actually saying it and sharing it. That if, if it gets into the collective consciousness at all, 
because that that really is what we're all here for. And whether it's the last thing I was just talking about with the various intentions from government or whatever, or the first thing I got on the show talking about with with giving ourselves love and compassion and knowing so that we can offer it to other people. It's what it's all, all about. Everything comes back to all of that. The universe is made of love. And that's it. Um, and I, so I really hope everyone had a nice, peaceful holidays and that the next lap around the sun is an enjoyable one. And I'm setting up some more great guests, some more good interviews coming up. Please keep an eye out for those. And, uh, and I will be back in a few days with another episode for you guys. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter anytime, johncat79. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I love and appreciate y'all, and I hope everybody has a beautiful week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.